Hey, we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to join us on the JF Podcast. It is our hope that this most recent talk teaches you, inspires you, and challenges you to live the life you were designed to live. If this message has helped you in some way, help someone else by sharing it. And if you want more information about who we are, what we do, or you'd like to contribute to our community, you can find us at JolietNaz.org. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you, Todd. Um, Good evening. I want to thank you for joining us this evening as we take some time to quiet our hearts and remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Um, for those of you who have been here before, you'll notice that we've, we've really um, simplified this year. Partially because we just, we don't want anything to detract from the message. The cross and Jesus' death speaks for itself in a way that any, any other things that we could do won't add to and so we simply you know want you to be in this moment and hear the word of God maybe in a fresh new way maybe something that you've heard before but hopefully it will be impactful Um, as I've been thinking and praying about this evening it occurred to me that um, this moment right now would be a good opportunity and a good time for a prayer of confession. So I would invite you to bow your heads and um, pray as I, as I lead us in a prayer of confession, as I pray it. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart, We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. So this evening, I have to tell you something about me. I was a lawbreaker. That's right. I have broken the law. When I was in junior high, I had a huge problem with lying. I even actually struggled with this a little bit in high school and even into college. Here was the big problem for me, though. It was my conscience. I couldn't shake the guilt of having lied. I would become unhappy and almost physically ill. Eventually, I would almost always break down and confess, and of course, the consequences were always worse than if I had just told the truth in the first place. Does this situation sound familiar to anyone else? I hope, thank you. (laughs) Thank you that I'm not the only one. Um, If not lying, I'm sure that each of you could point to some way that you have broken the law in the past. Now, some of you may be saying, now, wait a minute, lying is not against the law. Well, you know, be that as it may, you've probably figured out by now that I'm actually talking about the law of God. 
Um, now, before you turn off your brain and prepare to go asleep for a few minutes because you think that I've, you've heard this before, please don't. I need you to hang with me for just a few minutes. I promise that this is not a treatise on the law of God or an attempt to heap guilt upon you for all the wrongs of your past. In fact, I'm hoping that it will be just the opposite. The truth is, though, if we don't talk about the law a little bit, we will miss the point of Good Friday. So we have to admit, first of all, that we all have been lawbreakers. God gave us the law so that we would understand our need for him. It doesn't take lo too long trying to follow the law on your own to realize that this is something that is impossible to do. Humanity has a sin problem. What is sin? Simply defined, sin is living outside of God's intention for his creation. Sin is living outside of God's intention for his creation. In other words, God created each of us with a purpose. When we decide to go our own way, and not live according to God's purpose for us, we are sinning. Paul tells us in Romans that everyone has sinned. The writer of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament even says, there is no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never sins. Every human being is guilty of straying from God's purpose in creation. So by now, I'm sure you're feeling really good about yourself, right? Yeah. I don't know about the rest of you, but I have always struggled with guilt. Guilt can be defined as a feeling of responsibility or remorse for some offense, crime, or wrong, whether real or imagined. I have what some people would probably term an overactive guilt complex. I feel guilty for things that are completely outside of my control, hence whether real or imagined. Sometimes when I'm in the shower in the morning, I'll think of some wrong thing that I did 25 years ago and feel guilty all over again. Usually that wrong thing is something that was confessed and forgiven 25 years ago, too. And yet, I allow my mind to dwell on it over and over, and I allow those feelings of guilt to steal my joy. And this is the problem. Guilt steals our joy. Guilt steals our joy and prevents us from living lives of purpose. This, if this is something that you struggle with, the Bible has good news for us this evening. We don't have to feel guilty. We're going to be looking at a passage in the book of Hebrews tonight. I can't really give you too much background on the author of this book because scholars aren't really sure who the author was. They've, you know, gone back and forth and argued back and forth, but nobody can really give a definitive answer. And so we just accept that and move on. 
What we can tell you is the author's main concern seems to be to remind the readers of his book, which is why it's called Hebrews. He seems to want to remind the readers of the supremacy of Christ over the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. And he wants to remind the readers of the importance of faith. So listen to what he says. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So let me give you a little background on what the author is talking about here. During the time of the Exodus, when God brought the Jews out of slavery in Egypt, God had the people build him a special tent that was the center point of their worship, the place where God would dwell. And what I love is that God had them put it right in the middle of their camp because God is a God who wants to be with his people. The tent was called the tabernacle and was eventually replaced by the temple in Jerusalem. But here was the problem. Because of sin, there had to be a barrier between God and his people. God is so holy that he cannot live in the presence of sin. The temple and tabernacle was made of an outer courtyard and then you would go into the holy place and then the most holy place. And a veil, a curtain, separated the holy place from the most holy place because the most holy place was a place where the Spirit of God dwelled. The only person who could enter the most holy place and stand in the presence of God was the high priest. And he could only enter once a year after going through an extensive sacrifice and cleansing ritual. Now, this is where it starts to get good. God does not want his creation to live broken and sorry lives. God doesn't want that for us. So God made a way to restore humanity's relationship with him. He sent Jesus to become the ultimate sacrifice for our sin. I want to make it clear right now that there was and is, absol and is absolutely nothing that we could do to save ourselves. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells us, at one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, 
but because of his mercy. So that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. When Jesus died, the veil that symbolized the need for God to be separated from sinful humanity was torn from top to bottom. Why top to bottom? Because God did the work to remove the separation. When we decide to follow Jesus, we are cleansed from sin and become new creations. We no longer need to have a human high priest to talk to God on our behalf. The barrier that keeps us from having a relationship with God is removed. Instead, Jesus has become our high priest and we now have direct access to God. We can have a relationship with God because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Not only that, but God also declares us to be not guilty. Not guilty. The blood of Jesus has been sprinkled on our hearts to cleanse us and we have been made pure. Let me say it again. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you have accepted his sacrifice for you and asked him to be in control of your life, you are not guilty any longer. God even tells us that their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. How about that? God has a worse memory than we do. For some of us, that's really saying something. God remembers our sinful acts no more. In fact, in the Psalms it says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sin from us. The writer of Hebrews tells us, that we can now approach the throne of God with confidence. We have been made holy and can enter the most holy place and be in the presence of the living God. I don't know about the rest of you, but I am tired of feeling guilty. Not only am I tired of feeling guilty, I'm tired of seeing other believers lead lives of defeat because they feel guilty. Don't cheapen the grace and mercy of God by hanging on to the guilt of your past. I'm going to repeat that because this is so important. Don't, don't, don't cheapen the grace and mercy of God by hanging on to the guilt of your past. We must remember that we have been declared not guilty by the blood of Jesus, and we should approach the throne of God with confidence because Jesus has given us the right to be there.
in fact. The writer of Hebrews tells us that we should draw near to God with the full assurance that faith brings. In other words, we are able to have a close relationship with God through private times of prayer and reading the Bible and through public times of worship. Let's not lead downcast and joyless lives anymore. This passage goes on to say, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Did you catch what the author just said? Hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. This is not an empty faith or hope in hope. No, we have hope for the restoration of the world. Why? Because God has promised it, and God is faithful. This isn't some pie-in-the-sky fairy tale, because if it was, what fairy tale has their lead character, you know, die a horrible death? No. It is God's promise to his people, and so we have hope. Grab on to this hope with both hands and don't let go. Hold on to it. So, what do I want you to do with all of this? The answer, it's quite simple. Stop living like you are guilty. Live in the hope of God's restoration of this world. Then, take it a step further and think about how you can encourage others to love and serve God's church. While our salvation is not about crossing off a list of works, when we experience freedom from guilt, love and service should overflow out of our hearts that are filled with joy and hope. You'll notice that the author tells us not to give up meeting together and to encourage one another. So when you start to feel guilty and worthless, when your mind starts to whisper lies to you about who you are, don't withdraw from the church and decide to come back when you're feeling better. Resist the urge to withdraw and instead lean into your purpose as a child of God and meet with God's people. When you see someone who is living in guilt and in their past, encourage them to hold on to the hope of their faith in Jesus. Remind them that the veil has been torn and that we now have direct access to a relationship with God. If you are here this evening and you have never taken this step to follow Jesus, I can think of no better time than the present. You can be made a new creation this evening and start to live a life free of guilt. If you are thinking that this is sounding more like an Easter message than a Good Friday message, sorry, although I'm not really sorry. I want us to leave here tonight celebrating what God has done for us. 
to that end, we have something that we want you to take home with you tonight. There is a torn piece of cloth up here that represents the torn veil in the temple. I want you to put it someplace where you're going to see it regularly and remember that you can approach God with confidence. Remember that God has supplied the answer and is restoring you to his image. In the quietness of the next few moments, please take some time to respond. And when you are ready, come up and get a piece of this cloth.